Welcome to the Sports Squire Podcast, a platform engineered specifically for you to deliver content relative to the fields of training, performance, and rehabilitation. Challenge the status quo and raise your game through changing your mindset and your action. As you embark on your journey as a sports squire, subscribe to the show to get real-time updates to new episodes. Don't miss an opportunity to apply what you've learned today. Explore, engage, learn, implement, benefit. This is the way of the Sports Squire. Welcome to Sports Squire Radio. I'm your host, Brad Howell. I'm a former collegiate athlete, exercise enthusiast, and physical therapist in the realm of orthopedics and sports rehab over the last decade. Episode 46 Sports Squire Posture Program Build Confidence, Walk Taller, and Reduce Your Risk for Injury. Today, we're going to talk through several different tips and takeaways and even some of the negative impacts of having poor posture and some of the things that I have seen clinically over the the, the course of my physical therapy career and also giving you some kind of anecdotal uh, experiences that I've had from a training perspective to help combat some of these postural dysfunctional positions to help all of you out there target certain exercises and certain training tips uh, throughout your days and, and just part of, of, of activities that can help combat these poor postures that can really have negative health impacts on you. And I'm going to talk a little bit about the breadth of how many different types of uh, health issues that can stem out of poor posture and what you can do about it to really make a, a tide turn in regards to your health and improving how your body moves more efficiently and how you load your body. Um, First of all, today I want to start off just by identifying and trying to define in my own way what posture actually is. Because I think for a lot of us, we have a lot of different understandings and foundational differences in regards to what we consider uh, being posture. You know, some of us have heard the old school uh, of stand up straight, you know, that's that's having good posture. If you slouch your shoulders, that's poor posture. What is posture? And that's one thing I want to help uh, identify for all of you out there and just give you kind of more of my scientific approach uh, that I've, I would say it's, I've, I've made this list myself over the years just through clinical experience because I think that there are several different things that impact how posture is. But Essentially, if we are striving for good posture, and this is in my own terms, this is not out of a book, this is not off the internet, but posture is essentially a way to alleviate the most amount of tension by activating your system or by having your body move more efficiently. So when you think about how your spine is designed and how the extremities, you think of the ball and socket joints, your shoulders and your hips, how those are the closest really major joints that are attaching to that spinal skeleton. Those joints are extremely uh, important and pivotal to how they interact with certain muscles that integrate and originate from the the central part of your spine. And it's extremely important to kind of understand that anatomy over time so that you can appreciate you know, what certain positions do to create more tension and, uh, you know, what we, we talk about a lot in the, the rehabilitation world is the, the really counterbalancing of length and length tension relationships. If you've got 
an offset of a length tension in a certain joint, you're going to end up having some some issues. If if a muscle is too short, um, you know, typically it's a it's a weak muscle as well. So you really want to help to improve that flexibility and improve the strength. But then you have to think about what's happening on the opposing side of the joint um, and what those muscles are intended to do. Uh, biomechanically because of where the, those fulcrum uh, arms are being attached from a tendon perspective and where those bony uh, long lever arms are doing to, to physically you know, produce force around these joints. So good posture essentially is the ability to create an uh, optimal environment to where you're able to create the least amount of stress through your spine and through your extremities through an optimal amount of activation and joint position. So, you know, long story short, everything that we see from an orthopedic perspective in a physical therapy clinic in a rehabilitation setting that I've always talked about. Now, obviously there's pathological things that can happen that are outside of our control, but non-traumatic, um, non-pathological uh, type things, 100% of them are, are mechanical. So a lot of the issues that we kind of uh, create our, on ourselves are, you know, self-induced for because of how we move or how we, uh, you know, choose not to move. And, you know, so the, the most important thing for all of us to understand is that there is this ideal uh, opportunity to take stress off of joints. Now, I wouldn't say that there's an ideal posture for everyone. There's so many different postures that are out there. Uh, certain people have, um, you know, certain genetic type findings that, you know, it's almost impossible for us to say that there's one posture that is going to help, uh, that, that we need to try to achieve because of we're also variable in our, in our nature and in our DNA and, how we grow and how our bones grow and how we just functionally adapt to the world that we're in. But with that being said, there is the anatomy and the biomechanics that leads us to the story of certain predictable muscle groups that we should be training from an anti-gravity standpoint. And what I mean by that is things that are going to keep you upright as a bipedal human being. All of us need to stay upright and need to have the ability to maintain good strength and good position without damaging the structures that are crossing all of those different joints. So keys to posture. You know, I've got essentially five keys to good posture. Number one, and I'm going to put all of this in the show notes, number one of key posture is awareness. Having the awareness of knowing when your posture is poor. The simple, classic uh, example from an educational standpoint to kind of point out to all of you is when your shoulders start to slouch. We do this all the time. We call it slouch and correct postural training where we're telling individuals, I want you to purposely roll your shoulders forward, allow you to feel that overstretch in the middle part of your back and your shoulder blades, and then I want you to correct that. I want you to pull your shoulder blades down and in and experience how that stretching type tension goes away. That is a, a prime example of some awareness tactics that we'll use. It's neuromuscular in nature because we're training the 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 actual feeling of tension and the the rounding of that position to the correct position where you're actually firing and activating those muscles and slacking up that tension. So awareness is extremely important. That's something that we all need to be 
a little bit better at. Sometimes uh, external feedback can really help. A uh, spouse, a friend, a colleague, somebody you're working with, if you're working at a computer, um, taking uh, you know photo feedbacks, having an ergonomist, possibly if you're in a corporate setting, um, that is able to come and evaluate your work setting can be extremely evalu- valuable as well. So number two is having the available range of motion uh, in your joints to be able to uh, actually get back to the point where your muscles can do their job and take the least amount of uh, stress or mo- most amount of stress off your spine and your extremities. So from a joint check perspective, you're thinking head to toe. You know, we really want to screen. And one of the big ones is being able to pull your chin down towards your chest. And a lot of us, if we're tight, if, if some of you out there, you know, you you know tend to be a little bit more deviated to getting regular skull-based headaches, or you get headaches that tend to radiate behind one eye. Those are what we call um, cervicogenic-type headaches, where they're they're primarily coming from the tension in some of those suboccipital muscles, those upper cervical muscles that are shortening and causing tension. And then there's a lot of structures that then radiate and refer pain to that ocular area, and it can be unilateral in nature, but there's a lot of different things that can happen. Um, but essentially, one of the best things that you can do on a check all the time is just put your chin down towards your chest and try to make a double chest and see if on the back side of your neck you feel a, a big stretch. If, if you do, that tends to mean that those muscles are, are shortened and we need to really work on stretching those muscles out and really strengthening up those deep neck flexors, which we'll get into from a broad-based perspective um, on, on how we actually attack posture from a sports squire posture program perspective. Number three, after available range of motion and awareness, number three is having adequate muscle activation within that available range of motion. So to me, I think the easiest thing to think about when you think about posture, and and I'm just going to try to oversimplify this um, for all of you, and and I don't want to make it uh, this easy, but at the same time, these are very keystone foundational thoughts in regards to training posture. And you would be hard-pressed to find any good uh, rehabilitation expert that's out there that does not use these foundational pr- uh, principles to help with postural dysfunction and certain types of injuries as they come in. But you know, having an adequate muscle activation, I like to look at the shoulder blades because the shoulder blades are... A, Uh, a very dynamic area. That area, you have your rotator cuff tendons. There's four rotator cuff tendons that are originating from your shoulder blade area. The shoulder blade uh, has a ton of muscles from the inside part of the medial border that are actually attaching to the center of your spine. And the position of that shoulder blade can have impactful um, repercussions on the skeletal system based upon where that position is. So for me, one of the first things I look at when patients come in is their resting scapular or shoulder blade position. And I want to see where the bottom angle of that inferior scapula is to the center of their spine. And I usually will track that in inches. And I'll compare the left and the right side and really try to Um, kind of manage that resting posture and show feedback and progression as individuals get better throughout their rehab uh, process to show, um, you know, that that is the foundational part. But the available muscle activation, so simply, if you think about 
the simplicity of rolling your shoulder blades out. So I want you to sit there and just overstretch forward and just allow, almost like you're uh, hugging yourself. Kind of hug yourself and let your shoulder blades come out. You feel that tension, right? That pull. Um, Essentially, what we're doing when we have forward posture and we're leaning over our computers all day long, we're slouching forward, down, looking at our phones, um, you know, anything that we're doing that's creating this forward environment that's rounding us forward is we are creating this tension in the, in the, the back of the muscles. And the best analogy I can give you is think about having a, a rubber band and you're stretching that rubber band. That, that stretched rubber band has a lot of tension, right? And then as soon as you bring your hands together, that stretching out that rubber band, it slacks all that up and all that tension tends to dissipate or go away. The same thing happens with having good interactive posture to understanding which muscles as you get to certain positions are overstretching and which ones we need to quiet down by strengthening and improving flexibility and improving activation between those shoulder blades. So, a good example, like we say, those shoulder blades are rolling out, rolling out and moving forward. They're tensioned, right? So what tends to happen is because we are rounding forward, the muscles in the front part of our chest and our neck and all of that tend to get really tight. And that tends to create, you know, this posterior weakness, this weakness in the back of, of those shoulder blades that can really be problematic and cause a lot of different length tension issues that can lead up and down the chain to different dysfunction. And you can chase it all day long, but you really have to understand this area extremely well and get people to kind of move a little bit better in order to, to help with, with those dysfunctions. So the opposite of that overstretching is that we want those shoulder blades to come down and in. And why do we want that to happen? It's the same thing I talked about, the analogy of the of the rubber band is allowing those muscles to slack up and quiet down because those attachments from the medial border of that scapula to the spine, uh, the central part of your spine on the spinous processes and coming in, those are creating less tension and stress on your spine, which is a really good thing. And what can happen over time, I'm sure you've seen uh, pictures of, um, you know, going into an older person's house and you look on the wall and you look their younger days they're a lot taller and then all of a sudden they just poor poorly start to kind of fold forward and uh, you know what can happen is the spine can be extremely adaptable over time so if the muscles that are holding that spine in that position tend to become more dysfunctional and pulling uh, you know the spine in different positions it's going to become extremely hard if you're not adapting out of that position and it's going to help you uh, to, to maladapt into these poor positions that can really be problematic to your musculoskeletal system for the long term. So um, a lot of you, it's never too late to, to, to really work on your posture. It's just, you know, the correlation is always going to be, you know, the longer it's been since you've worked on it, you, you should expect a longer process in order to improve that. And and the same is true for, you know, short posture, uh, acute postural type things like driving in your car for a long distance vacation, uh, you know, flying on an airplane, sitting at work for six to eight hours a day, looking over a, um, 
you know, computer for several hours. Those are all acute postural things that need to be addressed. Um, but so number one, awareness, number two, available range of motion, number three, key of posture, adequate muscle activation within that available range of motion. So extremely important. Number four, once you have all of of those three things, simultaneously, we need the endurance to hold that proper positioning that's going to create that slack, you know, that, that, that really good resting posture that allows for not too much tension, not too much relaxation, but somewhere right in the middle. So we really need to train that endurance and that comes through, uh, training, uh, training uh, periodizations and, and just uh, you know progressing frequency intensity and that time. Number five on the keys of posture, combating the disruption of the length tension relationships. And what I mean by this in a nutshell to simplify this is anything that is going to create a shortening of your of your posture of your musculoskeletal system from your spine to your extremities, such as, sitting for prolonged periods of time, you know, making uh, long drives like I talked about, sleeping, you know, believe it or not, a lot of us are asymmetrical sleepers, you know, whether it's your neck or your shoulders or your hips or your spine, you know, we don't do a great job of, of teaching sleeping ergonomics enough, um, you know, so for a lot of us, you know, that's probably a separate um, type episode, maybe I'll do a, a quick sports Squire wellness corner on just sleeping ergonomics because that is something that it can can really help you out. So I'll make a commitment to you. I'll do that for the next Sports Squire Wellness Corner just so that we don't berate today's uh, podcast. But, you know, sleeping ergonomics is one thing that can really disrupt uh, posture. Um, but what we need to do is we need to combat that disruption of those bouts and periods of time that are shortening our systems. And ways to do that I'm going to give you guys some some takeaway tips towards the end, um, but but getting into more of a consistent regular movement pattern can really help you combat that. So we've talked about keys of posture. Number one, awareness. Number two, available range of motion. Number three, adequate muscle activation within that range of motion. Number four, endurance of holding that posture for a period of time. You know, fatigue does creep in and fatigue will uh, create uh, that length tension to kind of drift forward as those muscles fatigue, which can create, um, you know, breakdown and, and increase compression and, and loading throughout different spinal uh, parts and, and also extremities. And then number five, combating the disruption of the length tension relationship, um, which can be from any prolonged type positions. So now that we've, we've identified those keys of posture, some of the things I want to talk about what are some of the negative effects of poor posture? So some of the negative effects of poor posture, number one, can be simply, um, you know, creating orthopedic uh, type issues. So the number one thing that I've treated within my career is headaches and upper cervical pain. Forward head posturing uh, creates a, a huge imbalance between the flexibility in the upper cervical joint and the stability that is is mostly needed out of those deep neck flexors in the front to keep that chin pulled down and to elongate the the cervical spine to to really help maximally decompress the vertebrae that are pounding down on those cervical discs and also allowing for opportunity to impede on 
you know, the, uh, the nerves that are coming out laterally on each side and the muscles that are uh, essentially trying to stabilize those areas. So headaches, cervicogenic headaches are huge. A lot of things that I, I treat on a regular basis. Neck pain, same, you know, with the same reasons. Uh, shoulder and back pain, you know, we, I just gave you the example of the tension of the rubber band with the shoulders moving forward. A lot of rotator cuff issues can, uh, can come out of poor posture. Um, nine times out of ten, when you look at shoulder rotator cuff impingement, you've got to attack the scapular area and you've got to attack the keystone of the lower spine and what's going on there, the middle part of your spine and the neck if you really want to help uh, reduce that that shoulder impingement, which for a lot of us, we should really, really pay attention when we start having impingement uh, type pains, which is just essentially uh, what we call posterolateral pain. So if you t- talk or, or feel around on the tip of your uh, shoulder bone and you go just back of that, a lot of those two of the four rotator cuff tendons are kind of right um, outside of that bony arch and dive underneath there anatomically, um, those can can really uh, become problematic and they're really on the continuum of a rotator cuff tear because as you p- continue to progress and age, most rotator cuff tears happen in the middle age. Uh, folks towards you know retirement age where they have just created so much of a seesaw on those tendons underneath that bony arch because they've continued to impinge that uh, that tendon underneath that arch for so long that it just eventually fails and it requires surgery and a long rehabilitation process. So something you really want to pay attention to. Um, a lot of you young people out there, a lot of you middle-aged people out there that, you know, if you're having those type of issues, it's easily fixed with a posture program and something that you can really uh, seek out a professional rehab uh, expert to help you out with. Low back pain. So obviously, low back pain is, is something that is prevalent. It's the number one uh, spent orthopedic issue out there. Um, same type of issues in regards to poor posturing. We talk about sacral sitting, um, allowing your your core to kind of go back to the point where you're sitting on your tailbone. It opens up your spine. It allows for the... Um, the, the anterior, which is the, f- the front part of the disc, to be loaded, which opens up the back disc space and allows for migration of that disc out the back. And essentially, the way the spine is, is created is created in a fact that you're going to have this three-dimensional type opportunity of tightening up those muscles in order to allow the vertebrae to do their job and to adequately and equally uh, take pressure off of the disc and allow the disc to do its job, which is to, you know, hydrate and uh, shock absorb a lot of our movements. But um, we really want to, you know, avoid prolonged periods of time where we're uh, keeping our spine flexed in a passive state because then that can really create some length tension uh, type issues as well. And then the other one is poor breathing. You know, we don't think about that a lot, but when you have poor posture, and you're rounding your shoulders, think about the relationship of your rib cage and, and the anatomy of where your rib cage comes in and articulates at the spinous, uh, at the spinal uh, articulation part for, for a lot of those ribs. So I won't get into the anatomical terms, but there's actually joints where the ribs come in and meet with uh, those thoracic vertebrae. And they're extremely important because as you 
learn to rib breathe and rib stretch. And I did an episode on diaphragmatic breathing and different breathing strategies to help you. I highly encourage you to go back and listen to that episode. Uh, it gives you some some tips on uh, rib stretching breathing, also pursed lip breathing, uh, diaphragmatic breathing, you know, things that you can do to really help uh, mobilize, um, you know, the middle part of your spine. Because when you typically have poor posture, what happens is we tend to become upper lung lobe breathers as opposed to using those lower um, lung, lower low bar uh, lung uh, segments because of the fact that we're not allowing expansion of our ribs to allow for extension of the uh, middle part of our spine, that thoracic spine. So we're getting that kind of forward kyphotic position, which can, can really hinder our breathing. And secondarily, you know, what happens a lot of times, we have these accessory muscles that are in our necks. Um, it's like you're breathing out of a straw, but you've got these scalene muscles and all these neck muscles that as you're doing this upper chest and upper neck breathing can create a lot of high tone in the neck and can create a lot of postural dysfunction and pain for a lot of folks out there. And so those are some of the negative impacts of of poor posture that can that can really be problematic. Um, so you're saying, great, awesome. You know, we, we know some keys to posture. We know some of the negative effects of poor posture. What can we actually do? So what I want to spend a little bit of time talking about now is just, you know, the philosophy around what I believe is the most important for you to understand about uh, living, breathing posture. And when I talk about the Sports Squire uh, posture program, everything that I do on this this podcast is about education and about you really profoundly understanding why you do certain things. I don't want you to take you know anything that I say for gold. Go out, do your own research. But hopefully, you know you're you're tuning into this podcast on a regular basis because of the fact that you're getting value and you're you're seeing that you can learn things at a little bit of a quicker rate. But what, I, what my point is, is that you need to understand why you incorporate certain activities and certain exercises and why you're going to need to combat certain things throughout your day in order to be a healthier individual. So what I want to do for you right now is just really quickly lay out from your neck down towards the bottom of your spine. And, I, and I'm going to talk about basically spinal posture, spinal anatomy, um, you know, some activation uh, concepts. And then I want to talk about really the two ball and socket joints, the shoulders and the hips, and how those two joints really play into a, a, a really well uh, efficient uh, musculoskeletal system and how you can help to, you know, improve the length tension relationship just by, you know, thinking about your your spinal mechanics and your kind of shoulder joint and hip joints and how you can you can influence those you know really three areas so starting out you know you start in this the the spine I've said in this before I think I did a podcast the, the at almost the the origin of of this platform where I talked about um, you know postural mechanics a little bit but there are three training foundations and three things that we all need to understand whether we're sitting or we're standing is that the spine is 
is made to interact and more of a, um, you know, it's meant to bend, it's meant to extend, but what we really want to try to find balance with is that quiet posture, the one that's not too strained, the one that's not um, too uh, overstretched. Um, you know, so in order to do that, we need to understand that our, our pelvis and the lower back and the core, um, from a three-dimensional standpoint, being able to control whether or not your, um, your pelvis is tilting posteriorly, so that's like your sacral sitting, like you're sitting on your tailbone, or you're able to, um, you know, bring your hips up so that your, um, your spine is neutral, that is a keystone. So, a lot of times what I've seen with some patients, they come in, and I've seen this with some physical therapists as well, um, you know, that are maybe a little bit more novice and haven't really had the, the experience of trial and error, or maybe they're just not being as comprehensive with their treatment or assessment plans. But, you know, they have somebody that comes in and say they have upper cervical pain, they've got cervicogenic headaches, maybe they've got acute uh, radiculopathy, which is just an impingement of the nerves that's happening because of tight muscles or uh, facet joint that's tight or, you know, blocked or whatever it may be. And all you do is you talk about their their upper cervical inflexibility and the poor awareness of the muscle activation in that area. You talk about the middle part of their shoulder blades, but you never address the lumbopelvic position, which is the lower part of your, your lumbar spine, the, the lower base of your spine, and the pelvis, which is where the, the spine, you know, ends, right? You've got your two, um, you know, pelvic bones that, that come across uh, on the side, and then the, the hip attaches into that pelvis. Um, but essentially, if you are slouched at your pelvis, naturally your shoulders are going to go forward and your head is going to go forward. So there's not anything that you can do to naturally uh, take the tension off of that alignment without correcting that lumbopelvic position first. So visualizing that makes you understand how important the keystone part of our body is, which is that core and that lumbopelvic position and just simply, if you're, if you're sitting down right now, or you can at least just visualize this, just think about sitting on the edge of a chair, okay? Um, or maybe I should start with, start by sitting, uh, thinking about slouching in your chair, right? Uh, and laying back and just leaning up against the back of the chair. Then I want you to sit towards the edge of the chair, um, scoot out towards the edge to your feet are flat, and then I want you to um, essentially kind of stick your chest out and get to the point where your lower back, put your hand on your lower back, is just straight. It's not too extended. You're not overarching your back. That position right there naturally will bring the head and the shoulders back into more of a midline orientation just by that simple movement and will reduce muscle tension you know, exponentially. Um, and then from that position, Essentially, what we want to train and what we want to look at and assess is how much extension do we have through the middle part of the thoracic spine. And usually, you can get that extension through moving your shoulder blades down and in. So, sometimes some people need to passively be moved into that kind of downward and retracted position of those shoulder blades to get more thoracic extension. And a lot of people will report when I do that to them, I feel a lot of chest stretch when I do that because those muscles are so tight from being closed down. So 
Uh, you know, first things first, correct the lumbopelvic keystone. Once you do that, correct that shoulder blade being down and in. And then the third part is that we want our chin to be down. This is the most awkward, you know, part for all of us. Um, is that when you get in this position, for for a lot of us, we are so used to being in this forward environment where our head is moving forward that our eyesight is actually higher than what it normally should be. So our eyes are the hardest part to train in this retraining process because as you bring your chin down and you bring your eyes up, it's very awkward. But over time, your eyes correct and it becomes a lot more natural and it's a lot easier for you to be able to kind of move through those positions. But up front, as you bring that chin down and you flatten out the back part and elongate the back part of your neck, you'll probably feel a little bit of a stretch when you do that. Um, you know, but th- that's extremely important, um, you know, to be able to kind of get that neutral eyesight and and not have, um, you know, any issues with, with deviating that neck forward. So, that's in a nutshell is essentially what you should do to kind of evaluate what does that posture look like for you. So, you know, simply like what I talked about, just slouch on a regular basis and then correct it. But really go through that three-step process of correcting through the base of that lower spine and pelvis, shoulder blades down and in, chin tucked, eyes straight forward, and Basically, that tells you where your uh, awareness portion of the first part of the key of posture is, right? And then as you start to think through, okay, I'm aware, I know, man, I just feel so, I don't have the ability to get into this position. That's when the stretching comes in. That's when we target certain tight areas. You know, we're going to look at, um, you know, some of those upper cervical muscles and stretch them out more. You know, we're going to look through the chest muscles to stretch them out. We're going to look at maybe the the hip flexors um, or the lateral hip rotators that may be tight, that may be influencing that lumbopelvic position that's not allowing you to get forward. Um, and then we're going to move to the next stage, and we're going to look at adequate muscle activation. And we're going to see through that awareness and that posture of knowing those three things I just talked about with the chest checkpoints, uh, what you need to, uh, to to activate, you know, from a, a core perspective. Um, and then the endurance is, is just part of the training and then the combating. We're going to talk about activities of, of takeaways. So spinal-wise, three keystones, three checkpoints. Make sure you're checking all of those. Okay, moving on. So we talked about the shoulder joint. We talked about the importance of what happens with the rotator cuff tendons as they're originating from the shoulder blade what the tension does between the shoulder blades to the middle part of the spine and why are why they are so key and pivotal to our overall spinal health. Um, so I won't beat that to a drum, but essentially to add to that layer, you know, we really want to create more symmetry uh, through the posture, through the shoulders, and through rotator cuff training. And one of my favorite ways to do this is in side lying and putting a towel underneath someone's uh, armpit, laying on your side, shoulders stacked, you know, so you're against gravity. You really have to uh, have someone help you um, sometimes to gain an appreciation for getting your shoulder blade down and in and side lying and set. 
Because what we want to do is we want to stabilize that shoulder blade back against that rib cage. And the arc of motion of that rotator cuff movement moving into external rotation of your shoulder is a very small movement. And those are very small uh, muscles. And we don't want compensation happening from several different muscle groups around that shoulder girdle. But what happens over time, if you were to look at a right or a left-handed person, nine times out of ten, the handedness of who that person is, if you're a left-hander, your left shoulder is going to be lower than your right. If you're right-handed, your right, right shoulder is going to be lower than your left. And the reason behind that is it has 100% to do with the shoulder blade position. So a lot of times, if the shoulder blade starts to move away from the spine, it's going to make the shoulder height appear lower. So one of the things that I do to show people uh, the appreciation of, of what shoulder symmetry does is I have them look in the mirror, and I'll put two fingers on the tops of their shoulders, and they can visibly see the height of my fingers in the mirror and see which shoulder is dropped and which shoulder is down. And then I show them, look, what I want you to do, and this is for non-scoliotic people, right? People that have scoliosis, um, this may not work 100%, um, and I won't get into that either, but there's functional scoliosis and structural scoliosis. Functional scoliosis, we can, we can fix through stretching, strengthening. Uh, structural scoliosis, uh, you know, is a little bit more challenging because of the progression of the spine. So uh, just wanted to kind of talk through that a little bit. But essentially, I've got my fingers on top of their shoulder height. So they're seeing the, the asymmetry, right? And then what I want them to appreciate as I put my hands... I usually put my thumb on the back side of their shoulder and I wrap my hands around the front part of their shoulder and I rotate their shoulder blades down and in. And what naturally happens with 9 out of 10 people is that their shoulder height then levels out, right? So you no longer have this asymmetric, asymmetrical approach or appearance of having a shoulder that's lower or higher. It now kind of corrects itself. So the beauty of that is is that as we train those shoulder blades to be down and in and those shoulders are more symmetrical, guess what? We are putting a better uh, stretch and more optimal position of all of those upper cervical muscles. We're not hiking them up. We're not becoming asymmetrical where one side is pulling on the cervical spine uh, more than the other side. So it's extremely important to do that exercise and to be able to appreciate when you get your shoulder blades down and in how much that can get your shoulder height better. Now, functionally, why I love putting people in sideline and putting the towel underneath their armpit, shoulder blade down and in, and teaching them how to go into shoulder external rotation is that is going to you know heighten those external rotators, which are going to pivot, we talk about those those rotator cuff tendons are originating on the shoulder blade, right? So it's going to pivot that whole entire joint out, which is going to combat all of those postural dysfunctions that we, we tend to kind of deal with, with kind of moving forward into that, uh, that forward environment. So the shoulders are extremely important because of the nature of how they interact with the spine through the shoulder blades. So I know I, I kind of expanded upon that a little bit, talked about the three checkpoints of the spine, the shoulders. Now I want to move forward to the second ball and socket joint that's extremely important, which is your hips. So the spine is coming down. It's, it's uh, articulating with uh, your sacrum, and then you have your pelvis. 
which has what we call your acetabulum, which is the socket of where the the femur or your hip uh, ball goes into that hip joint. And it's extremely important. And there is so much scientific research out there in regards to hip rotation, hip mobility, uh, gluteal strength, uh, functional biomechanical um, adaptations that happen when there is a disruption between this lumbo pelvic hip uh, area. And the reason of it is because it's so closely tied. And the thing that I absolutely love and am fascinated with is is really the innovation, innovation, intervention of the electrical system in, in our in our bodies that's coming off the spinal cord that are responsible for innervating into these gluteal muscles that are these muscles that essentially are going to do the same things that I just talked about with the rotator cuff. So it's really easy for us to understand that the external rotators of the shoulders and the lateral hip rotators of of, of the hip um, are extremely pivotal to to great posture and good balance and movement efficiency as, as we all try to strive for that. Um, but the thing that's so cool as you look at the circuitry of the um, nerves that are coming off of the spinal cord and, and you look at the different um, nerves that are innervated by different levels, and I won't get into the, the dorkiness and, and that for the sake of this podcast, but essentially you've got the superior gluteal nerve, the inferior gluteal nerve. You've got all these different nerves that are innervating into very uh, prominent and specific muscles that um, are going to help us stabilize our pelvis and our hip like our gluteus medius muscle. Um, so the importance is is that we want to make sure that all of the muscles that are crossing that joint aren't disrupting that length tension relationship, right? So a lot of times what we'll look at from a gluteal perspective, sometimes you can have tight hip flexors in the front because maybe one, we're sitting too much, but you think if we're sitting, we're not really using those gluteals, right? But if you stand up, squeeze your butt cheeks, lunge slightly forward, you're going to feel a stretch in the front of your, your hip flexors. So sometimes flexibility, and I would say most of the time, flexibility restrictions are due to the opposing side of that joint having some sort of uh, poor activation or it's not being activated enough. So you're not creating enough mobility demand to keep the tension of the muscles that are so important to your posture on the opposite side of the joint stretched out. So the hip flexors are one that I think is a great one. And, you know, again, I hate reverting back to, to episodes that I've done before, but I did one on sitting uh, is the new smoking. And I talked about that shortening adaptation process that happens. And the hip flexors are one that really, really can, can create problematic issues for your lower back because of the fact your iliopsoas muscle is, a, is basically attaching to the lower part of your spine and it's crossing your hip joint. So it, it's a basically a side bender of your spine and also a hip flexor. So it's got multi-purposes and there's multi-functional uh, type issues that can happen when that muscle shortens. So long story short, extremely important. If you're not training your spine from a foundational standpoint to be more neutral, to create those three checkpoints, if you're not creating balance uh, with your shoulder blades being down and in and creating more strength into external rotation, and then if you're not creating 
uh, improvement and flexibility of your general rotation, internal and external rotation of your hips, hip flexion and extension primarily, um, and creating improved lateral hip rotators, hip extensors to combat that forward posturing. That's something that you really want to reconsider and rethink through when you're actually periodizing and working on your training program. Because what's going to happen is you're going to combat and reduce all of those injury risks that I talked about earlier in the episodes and all of those negative effects of poor posture over time add up and can really create really you know, problematic type, type issues. So what I'm going to do uh, in the show notes today, I'm going to make a list of just a few exercises that you all can look forward to just uh, putting through. I'm not going to have any fancy pictures just because I don't have the capability of uploading those pictures to the show notes, but uh, I'll leave it to, to uh, Father Google for you to Uh, Look up what these exercises are, but I'm just going to keep them extremely basic for some of you out there that are interested um, just to get you started. Um, I'll um, I'll put broad-based categories on kind of what you can create and expect. Um, And then I just want to leave you with today's episode with just a few just general takeaways, you know, to kind of think through this posture program. Number one takeaway is train out of your normal position. So if you are sitting on your butt all day long, train out of sitting. Try to find ways to get out of sitting and to train uh, all of the muscles that aren't being activated as you're sitting. So your glutes, your core, um, you know, your your uh, shin muscles, your you know deep neck flexors in the front, getting your chin down, shoulder blade muscles. Train out of those those normal positions that you're normally doing. And that also is for if you've got a profession or if you've got a sport that is creating a level of repetition, that is the same thing that we want to train out of as well. I talked, gave the Rory McIlroy example of how he was having lower back pain because, you know, he's a right-handed golfer and he's got the same motion just like every other golfer, but he's creating these asymmetrical imbalances. And once he started to work with a, a physiotherapist, physical therapist over there in England, that was helping him to train out of his swing. Did he? He didn't. He didn't. He still continued to have have back pain. But when he trained out of it, it balanced that symmetry, balanced the length tension relationship, and he was able to continue to go on with his pro golf career and and really uh, continue to to strive for longevity in the sport. So train out of those normal positions. Number two, implement opportunities for ten minutes of consecutive walks throughout your day. This is so simple, ladies and gentlemen. So simple. 10 minutes of consecutive walking. What that does is that not only combats the forward flexion nature of everything that we do in our lives, from sitting at a computer um, to prolonged driving in your car um, to sleeping. If a lot of us sleep with our knees up, you know, we're, we're flexed. What we're doing as we're consecutively walking is that there is this natural presence of inertia or force that's happening in opposing direction. We remember Sir Isaac Newton sitting under that tree just having, you know, thoughts about gravity and then he ends up writing the the laws, but for every action there is an equal and opposite reaction, right? So if we're walking forward, there is a force that is moving in reaction to us moving, you know, forward, which essentially is going to create this extension posture, 
which is going to allow us to activate more of those muscles that are considered those anti-gravity muscles that can really help us to stow away postural dysfunction and certain injuries. So 10 minutes of consecutive walking, a lot of really good uh, anecdotal um, evidence out there. I'm telling you, at some point, I'm going to do a, a, a collaboration of research to show how much that can help combat lower back pain, and I'm going to produce it and just make people believers. But I probably don't need to do that if you just get out and walk 10 minutes consecutively several times a day. So think about um, some of the times that you have throughout the day that you've got really big bouts of sitting and try to figure out naturally how you can break those up. And I guarantee it'll make a huge difference in how you feel um, from a tightness perspective and even a pain perspective. Number three, perform regular flexibility checks. So for this this one, this is something that uh, I think is extremely beneficial because the flexibility checks are letting you know and giving you feedback on what areas are tight, which is going to tell you from an opposing standpoint what muscle groups you're not training on a regular basis or activating. Because if those muscles are getting tight, inherently there has to be something that's getting weak. Um, and that's something that we all need to understand is as we're getting tight, we're getting weaker. And, um, you know, so creating those regular flexibility stre- uh, checks, figuring out what muscle groups that are crossing that spine, the shoulders and the hips, which ones are tight, which ones need to, to be stretched out. And then think through, like, why are these muscle groups getting tight all the time? It's probably because you're not training in some of those things. So, you know, if you're not training, go to the show notes, uh, look at some of those simple things that I have laid out and, and start pumping on those uh, here and now. Um, and then, you know, essentially number, uh, four, we want to train those predictable anti-gravity muscles. So engine in general, your lower trap, your mid trap, your rhomboids, those are all the mid shoulder blades, your deep neck flexors in the front are going to pull your chin down, um, which is going to elongate the, the upper part of your spine and stretch out those muscles that tend to get tight, um, you know, looking at the lateral hip rotators, the shoulder external rotators, um, and, and just creating um, a functional core. You know, we've talked about this before as well. It's like a soda pop can, pelvic floor on the bottom, diaphragm on top. So, you know, getting into that diaphragmatic breathing, you've got your uh, transverse abdominus muscle that creates this anterior uh, you know, corset type fashion, and then you've got your multifidi muscles that are spanning between each individual segment and spinous process in that lower back to create specific segmental stability in that lower back. So, you know, looking at those predictable anti-gravity muscles, you don't have to be an expert to say, you know what, I should train these muscles on a regular basis. You know, if if Brad's sitting here telling me that he's seen this for over a decade and I get tight and uh, these things happen, and if I do these simple things, it's going to help me and maybe even reduce my injury risk, you'd be a fool not to do it. So I will tell you within my own training experience, I do all four of these, these takeaways and checkpoints, and it's been extremely beneficial, you know, throughout my, my 30s, you know, as I, I start to, to, you know, pivot here forward, I'm getting ready to turn 36, I'm not, not really sure it's, uh, it's hit me yet, but I'm closer to 40 than I am, you know, 30 now. 
which means that a lot of these, uh, this advice that I'm giving all of you is almost, uh, you know, me speaking directly to myself on things that I need to remind myself to continue to do to stay healthy and to stay, uh, you know, fully functioning. But overall, in a nutshell, I want to wrap this up with a bow and, and just kind of leave you guys with some encouragement, leave you with some some motivation. You know, these things do not change overnight. You know, all of the things that we talk about and the topics that we talk about, you know, every episode on Sports Squire are meant to, you know, in uh, you know, addition to each other in supplement, really meant to support the overall longevity that it takes to to be a person that regularly uh, is moving well and moving efficiently. And and that's essentially what this this group and this crowd is about is learning how to move better, move more efficiently, get injured less, um, you know, get more out of life, you know, enjoy uh, you know, the small things because you're taking advantage of this God-given body that we've been given. And uh, I think there's no better calling than that to, to be able to understand how we can take care of this shell so that we can go out and serve other people and so that we can go out and, um, you know, be the light for other people as well. So I highly encourage you to, to really take this episode seriously. There's a lot of information that's pop, uh, you know, packed in it. I've got, again, in the show notes, you know, the keys of posture. I've got the negative effects of posture. Um, I've got, you know, some takeaways that are in there. And then also just a quick, uh, you know, list of some exercises for you to think about doing to help address all of these areas with the posture type program. I really appreciate the audience out there. Appreciate the feedback you guys have been giving, the encouragement, the nice, nice uh, words that you've been giving. We're going to continue to create positive, encouraging content that's going to help you from an educational perspective be more knowledgeable about your physical wellness so that you can apply that knowledge to your action and live a healthier lifestyle. I hope you all have a great week, and we'll talk to you next time on the Squire Wellness Corner. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Sports Squire podcast. Check out the show notes for anything you missed during today's episode. Click subscribe if you haven't already to ensure you get updates on the latest Sports Squire episodes. And remember, as a Sports Squire, your greatest self is found at the intersection of knowledge and action. Don't be normal, be a Sports Squire.